Bibles tonight to Acts chapter number 10. We've been in the book of Acts now for a long time, and we're continuing on here. If you weren't here last week, I'm going to review for a couple of seconds, and then we'll dump, jump into the new stuff. He didn't even last till I got to preaching tonight. Do you see that? He's out. And so if the singing can put you out, that's quite the thing there. Brianna's still awake, though. That's good. So, yep. Acts chapter number 10. If you remember last week, we started the chapter. We looked at 33 verses last week, and it only took us two hours to get through that. And so, no, it didn't take that long. And tonight, we've only got 14 verses. We'll get through it. But last week, Cornelius was praying to God. He was giving alms. He was doing what he could. But may I just remind you, doing what we can is not enough. Never has been. Never will be. When you get the idea in your mind that you can do something to please God and make God happy, you and I, our best, the best day when I have, ours is as filthy rags. When God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus, and that is the reason we are accepted of God, not based on what we do. And Cornelius, a good man, but a lost man. He was praying to God, trying to figure things out. And may I just tell you, I sincerely believe that if you seek after God, God will, you will find him. And we think about the fact that when we enter into this life, we enter with a little bit of light. Not enough light to save us, but enough light to know that there's a God. Not who he is exactly. But this man, Cornelius, he was searching for God. He wasn't going to find him on his own. We see that the Lord comes to him in a vision, an angel does, and tells him, hey, you need to go send your men down and get Peter and bring Peter back here, and he'll tell you what you need to know. His men go, and while they're on their way, Peter's on the rooftop about noon. It's almost lunchtime. He's probably smelling the food. It was lacking bacon or anything like that. But then he has a vision, and he goes into a trance, and he has a vision there, and all of a sudden, there's this sheet covering the four corners of things, and then a lot of unclean animals start coming down. There were piggies going all through there. And God tells him, hey, look at what it says there. It says, kill and eat. That's Bible right there. It's okay to eat meat. You'll be okay. And you might say, I don't like meat. That's fine. I'll eat your meat for you. That's fine. You can eat my vegetables, and I'll eat your meat. It balances out perfectly that way. But we see, you know, sometimes we get caught up on, oh, that poor little, why did God give us, God gave us animals in this world for man to have dominion over them, not for them to have dominion over man. I keep trying to tell my kids and my wife that with these cats in the house, but these cats, these cats literally have dominion. I sit in my chair, and where do they go? Right on my lap. It's like, get off my lap. I'm trying to go to sleep, and meow, right outside the room, and I'm like, yeah, I'll give you something to meow about. But anyways, I'm trying to teach them that as well, and I know some of you, we have, and I, I like pets. Pets are okay, and I know some of you really love pets, but as we look at this, we see the fact that God comes to Peter and he tells him, and he says, the Lord says, right, kill and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord. I've never eaten these things, and I'm not planning to. And God says, why are you not going to eat what I tell you to? And he wakes up, and there's two men waiting for him and calling him. And he goes with those men, and he goes to Cornelius and to his house. We get down to where we 
finished last week, and we look at verse number 34, it says, And Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of just the Jews. No, 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 no. All. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, hath God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth him shall receive remission of sins. And while Peter yet spake these words, they all bowed their heads and prayed the sinner's prayer. Oh, I, I've been telling you, you, they didn't pray the sinner's prayer here. Is there anything wrong with the sinner's prayer? No, but it's not found in the Bible, just so you know. And while he yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as so, Peter brought some Jews with him. They were astonished because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can a man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. People get saved. Things happen here. A great truth that we see in this passage. As we began chapter number 10 last week, we see that Peter was in Joppa and he was being prepared by God to go to Cornelius' house where he was going to minister to a Gentile man. You know, really when you look at this here, I would tend to say that Peter was of the opinion that he favored Jews being saved over others. I don't think that's a stretch. And the thing you got to understand is that as a Jew, they looked down on other people. They did. The Samaritans were like dogs to them. They felt they were superior. They felt that God liked them more than he liked anyone else. Now, are they God's people? Yes. But I want you to understand something. I am grateful tonight that salvation wasn't just for the Jews was for all people. And you got to understand, it was a deep-rooted thing in these Jews. 
that God would never extend his favor on the Gentiles. God judged the Gentile nations. God didn't show favor. And when God did show favor, any Jew that ever knew about it didn't like it. Give you an Old Testament example. There was a guy named Jonah. He was not thrilled that the people that hurt his people were going to get saved and turn to God. He didn't want that. In fact, I believe one of the reasons he didn't go in the first place is because God was sending him to. I don't want nothing to do with the Ninevites. He didn't. In fact, he got mad that they got saved. The Jews didn't like the outsiders. It was in, and you've got to understand something, too. You could look at this several different ways. You also look at the fact of how many people hate the Jews, right? Even in Bible days, all these different people hated them. So they kind of built a complex for themselves on top of, and they felt superior because they were God's people. And it showed. In the temple, if you were a Gentile, you couldn't enter the inner court. There was an outer court area that you could be at. But that's as close as you're getting. That was how they felt about it. And when we look at this, we see the fact that Peter comes to Cornelius' house, God had to show him this vision beforehand. Peter wouldn't have understood it. That's, and if you don't get it yet, the vision that God showed him literally was the fact that what you say is unclean, God is willing to clean and accept. That man's opinion might differ with God's opinion, but God's opinion is what matters and what's right. And so as we look here tonight and we dive a little deeper into this, I want you to look at several thoughts through this passage about the acceptance of God. Number one, in room number number one, we see God's acceptance. We see in verse 34 and 35, look at what Peter says here. He says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. You see, tonight, being accepted by God has nothing to do, first of all, letter A, it has nothing to do with an individual's origin. Well, I grew up here. I'm from the South, or I'm from this place, or I'm from that place. Do you realize tonight that doesn't matter? The context here is it didn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile. That's not what God accepted you on. And Peter shared this with the audience here that he's learning. I perceive this fact that God had opened the door for all people to be saved. And in light of this vision, it was clear to him that God wanted the Gentiles to receive this. It's no accident that the Lord's showing Peter these things. And may I just remind you of something? You'll remember that Cornelius was praying, God showed him, and God sent his men where they needed to go. Peter was praying, and God worked on him. Now, I told you before, I don't believe in an open vision or open dreams tonight. You have the Word of God. You have all that you need tonight in the Word of God. But they didn't have all the Word of God. How was Peter to learn what we're reading tonight when it wasn't pinned yet? God had to show him. And that's an important thing. But as we look here, it's no accident that literally the Lord shows him that vision that he had, and then he goes immediately to Cornelius' house. God was showing him that his acceptance isn't based on an individual's origin. 
And also let her be that acceptance is for all who worship God in truth. God sees the heart and knows the genuineness of a profession of faith. And may I just remind you tonight, you don't know if someone is truly saved or if they're not. Quit trying to be fruit inspectors. I just don't know if they are. God called you to be a fruit inspector. Because you don't know what's on the, it might look good on the outside, and it could be as rotten as the devil on the inside. And just because they carry their Bible to church or dress a certain way or do things a certain way does not mean that they know the Lord. But the Lord knows the heart. We think about these truths, and the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter number 1, verse 3 through 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, being before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that Cornelius and his family would get saved. God knew before you were ever born, before you ever thought of, before God ever said, let there be light, before he ever separated the waters, he knew you'd be saved. Thank God for that tonight. We see here the acceptance of God isn't based on a person who they are. May I just remind you tonight, you might not have, and in Christian circles, we might not look at a certain people group or a certain thing and be like, well, they can't get saved, but I hear a lot of Christians talk about, and I'm just going to bring it up. Don't get offended at the messenger tonight. We look at the LGBTQYZ elemental P group, and I, I'm, there's other words that they use in there. There are a lot of Christians that look at them and say they could never get saved. And you're being no different than what Peter was doing and what the Jews were doing. God can save anyone he wants to. And I'm not telling you we're supposed to be accepting of a lifestyle, but there are a lot of people in that group. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. Most people in that group have been very hurt by a lot of people. And they want to find acceptance and love. And they can find it in Jesus Christ. But the way Christians act and the way Christians respond, we are ruining that chance. It doesn't mean we have to parade it around or that I need to wear a rainbow Easter egg bunny outfit for Easter that Mark was showing me earlier. I could just, couldn't you just see me wearing this big old egg outfit for Easter? There's a rainbow colored egg with bunny ears on the end of it. That would, that would be something else. Someone would take a picture of that, and who knows? People think I've gone off the deep end on some things. I'd really think I've just plunged down into the depths of the ocean right there. So, so Nick, you and I, I'm going to get for you and I. We're going we're gonna to wear it together. We're going to go down the street inviting people to church for Easter. We'll each wear one. That would be kind of funny. But anyways, leave that there. I won't go any deeper there. But the point I'm trying to make is you might not look at someone's skin color and say, well, I'm not going to witness to them. Say, well, we're past all that. But because someone talks a little differently than you or acts in a way that you don't think is right, you won't ever approach them with the gospel. 
you walk into a Starbucks and the barista is a little bit more feminine in the way they treat you. And you won't hand them a gospel tract because they won't get saved. You're no different than what was happening here. It is God who saves. It's not your job to decide who gets saved and who doesn't. It's God's job. The Holy Spirit can work in any life. And we might not have some of the prejudice. And there, in our world, there still is a lot of prejudice. We could stop. We could go there for a little bit. Do you realize that God created all people? He did. No matter what their skin color is tonight. And maybe some might have, you know, whatever issues with, and everyone has, everyone has issues. I don't care if your skin is white, brown, black. It doesn't matter. Everyone's got issues. But when you start, you got to understand God made everyone. You'll even hear Christians that say that God cursed this race and why certain people. That's a bunch of baloney. Don't get going down that road and buy into that garbage out there. Jesus came for all people. Even the ones you don't think he came for, he came for them as well. And sometimes we get on our little high horses, but I love that verse where it says, and such were some of you. But you're washed, you're justified, you're sanctified, and thank God for that tonight. We would do well to remove all the prejudices out there. They can't get saved. Only God knows if someone can't get saved, not you and I. They've been given over to a reprobate mind. That's what I hear often. Study the progression of Romans chapter number 1. A reprobate, a reprobate mind comes at some point. But they don't start living a certain way and the reprobate mind starts right there. It comes at some point. When does the reprobate mind come? The Bible doesn't tell you. So quit prejudging it and just give the gospel to everyone. Good way to live. And if you'll walk somewhere and you see someone that isn't the way you like them to be and you won't give them the gospel, shame on you. And I'll leave that there and go no deeper on that thought. I'm glad God doesn't look at us the way that we look at other people. Because if anybody could have looked at us and said, ooh, they're a sinner, I want nothing to do with them, it would have been God. He's like, no, I'm willing to take their sin, I'm willing to die for their sins and love them even when they don't love me. That's what Christianity is. Number one, we see the acceptance of God. Number two, I wasn't even planning on going off on all that. Don't know where that came from. Maybe it was being awake all night with that. I love, I love our church. I've gotten so many people, they give me remedies for the heartburn I had last night. People are going around telling me, and I haven't had heartburn, in, like I said, in three years since I lost all the weight, and last night it hit me like a load of bricks out of nowhere. And I didn't even eat anything that bad. If I eat something bad, then, you know, I'll suffer. The, I didn't even eat anything bad. So I got people telling me today, drink apple cider vinegar. Yeah, that'll do a lot of things for me. And with water, I had someone say, drink uh, um, aloe vera juice. I'm like, have you tried that? It's awful. But it, hel it helps. They're like, it helps indigestion. <laughs> but chew gum, someone was telling me today. Someone told me they've got the Tums that I need in their purse anytime I need it. I'm grateful for that one there. And so I got lots of ideas today. Someone gave me chocolate chip cookies today, so I thought maybe that was an answer to it. And I ate a couple of them, and I have no heartburn tonight. The chocolate chip cookies did it. I think that was the key, the chocolate chip cookies. God... What, how does God accept a person? Not the way we do. He doesn't look at someone and say, ooh, they can't. If you come to Christ, you'll be all right, no matter who you are. We see that Peter's like, I've learned this now. I see that this is how God feels. 
And not only that, we see number two, we see the fact that the gospel is declared. The gospel is declared. And we look at verse 36 through 43, and for sake of time, I'm not going to read through those all again because we've already read them tonight. But as we look there, basically as you go through, he's preaching Jesus to them. He's letting them know that Jesus, him God chose. Him, it was him that God raised from the dead. He's the one who the Jews crucified on the cross, and he rose again. And what he teaches them and what he tells them as the gospels declared, we see letter A, that there is peace by Jesus Christ. You will not find true peace, and you will not find peace with God till you get to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 36. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. You see, true peace only comes in Christ. And as we look and we see this here, it tells us that God intended for salvation of all men to be through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, verse number 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no peace apart from God. And why we got verse 3 up there, who even knows? It's supposed to be verse number one. That's what happens when outlines get done quickly, I guess. And so just mark your little thing. There should be 5-1, not 5-3. But 5-3 is an excellent verse two, but we're talking about verse number one. And so apart from Jesus, there is no peace. Cornelius, as you look at the beginning, he was searching. He was a devout man. He feared God. He prayed to God. He, wa- he was missing something in his life, and he wanted what was missing. You know what this world's missing? They're missing the peace of God. They try to find happiness. They try to find joy in so many places. And outside of Jesus Christ, you will never find that joy. You'll never find that peace. It comes from a relationship with Jesus. And what Peter says is, hey, hey, Cornelius, you are searching for something, and I'm going to tell you about the peace you are searching for. It comes in the form of Jesus Christ. Not only is there peace by Jesus Christ, but letter B, there's power in the person of Jesus Christ. There's power. The Bible tells us here in verse 38 how God anointed Jesus Christ. The anointing here signifies his office as the Messiah, as Jesus Christ. He was anointed with great powers. The fact that we see all those that he healed, he went about doing good. Wow, we sang that song tonight, didn't we? And the words are right there. He went about doing good. He healed all that were oppressed of the devils, for God was with them. We were a witness of these things. We saw him die on a cross. He rose again the third day. There's power in the person of Jesus Christ. His death, as he laid down his life, and as he did all that he did, his resurrection shows us the fact that there's power in his name. Not only is there power in the person of Jesus Christ, but there's also proof of his resurrection. We see that in these verses here. The Bible tells us back in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. When we think about the fact that there's proof of the resurrection, we see the fact that Peter says here in verse 39 that the apostles were witnesses. They saw him. The apostles, and then we also see it says, verse 29, or 39, and we are witnesses of all things which he did in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they slew and hang on a tree. Him hath God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, 
even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Now look what it says. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that he was the ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. Not only were the apostles witnesses of what took place, but they were commanded to preach the gospel to everyone, weren't they? You wonder why the persecution came on the early church? Because they stayed in Jerusalem. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. The church at Jerusalem was doing great. But where were they in Judea? Where were they in Samaria? Where were they in the uttermost parts of the earth? They weren't. So the persecution comes and they spread out and the gospel spreads. Amazing how that works. Because God's goal was not just for the church in Jerusalem to start, but churches everywhere to start. That was God's plan. And you notice, what did Jesus tell them to preach the gospel? To the Jews only. To every creature. That was Jesus' message to them. And then lastly tonight, we see the working of the Holy Spirit. This would be, in these last verses we look at tonight, with those that are in um, Pentecostal churches will look at verses like this, and this is where some of their doctrine comes from. But I've told you before, we've got to be very careful taking our doctrine from the book of Acts. Paul's epistles where we get church doctrine. You've got to understand this is the first time the Gentiles were getting saved. And without Jesus. You go back to the Samaritan, you can see those things. But the Jews require, do the Jews require a sign? Isn't that what the Bible tells us? The Jews needed validation. And the Lord gave them validation here. As we look here, let's look at verse 44 through 48. And we're almost done and we're rounding off close to seven. We're we're coming in for a landing. You can put your seatbelts on. We're about to approach the runway. We're just about there. Verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And it's amazing to me. May I remind you, and I think I've said this enough, God doesn't need you to be a salesman. You were never called to be a salesman. Well, I'm going to teach you how to witness. You can get tons of people saved if you do it this way. Shut up. You need to go stick your head in a hole and just do nothing for a while. It's crazy to me. And even looking back at some of my training when I was younger, my personal evangelism class in college, this is how you can witness to everyone. And this is how you, you can do it this way, and if you talk this way, and if you smile more, they'll get, come to the Lord. Where's the Holy Spirit in that? Let's just forget about the Holy Spirit and his working. Let's get our spill down and make sure we have it worded just right. And if they do what I say, they're going to get saved. Run into big problems with that. Because Peter was giving them the word, the gospel, and the Holy Spirit of God worked. You see tonight, let me just remind you, you're not really a soul winner. You don't win any souls to Jesus. You're a soul warner. And the Spirit of God wins the soul. Not us. The Spirit was working. So as Peter preached the word, we see the Spirit was working. Look, it says, and they of the circumcision, so that's talking about the Jews. They were of the circumcision, right? Which believes were astonished. As many, remember Peter brought a group of them with him. They came from Joppa, where he was at. And as they came, they were astonished. And why were they astonished about? 
because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now, we could get into the things of the tongues tonight. And I'm going to teach you how to speak it. No, I'm not going to teach you how to speak in tongues. That was a joke. Tongues was a literal, it literally stands for a literal language. People understood what was being spoken. It was not an, un, you know, we even looked at this morning, what? Prophecy there's, uh, is of no private interpretation. And I want you to just hold your place here. I want you to look at one verse with me. I know I, the plane's landing. We're fine, but just look at one more verse. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. We're ending here in just a minute. We're so close. I can almost smell dinner coming, just about. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Look at what it says. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. I listened to someone, and those of you that do our Bible reading with through the word, there's uh, Sandy Adams, I believe, is the guy that goes through 1 Corinthians. And I put out a note as we're going through there that I don't agree with what he said right there. His opinion is that when that which is perfect has come, it's talking about when Jesus comes again. So till then, those gifts will be here. That's his take on that. That's not my take on that. My take would be that when that which is perfect has come, we have tonight the full word of God. You don't need visions anymore. You don't need to speak in tongues. You have the full written word. It's complete. So when that which is perfect has come, the other stuff that's in part is not needed anymore. That's my belief there. If you have questions or you have different thoughts about that, Come talk to me. I would love to sit down and talk with you about that. And not to say, I'm not going to get up in your face and say, you're wrong. Well, we can talk. I'm not, I, I know that in a room like this, and I know several in this room that do have different ideas on these verses. And I would love to sit down and just look at the word of God and talk about it a little bit more. And I never, I never sit down with someone with the attitude that I'm right and you're wrong. I know I'm right and you're wrong, but I'm not going to it with that attitude, you know. And so I'm teasing say it, well, I'm kind of teasing when I say it that way. But what you see happens is the message of the gospel is given. And these people get saved. You know how, remember when all those people got saved at Pentecost? Tongues happened, all these things, the spirit, it all happened. If you're being, if you're looking at the reality here, this is the day of Pentecost for the Gentiles. What happened? We see the working of the Spirit. The first thing that we see, letter A, is they received the Lord. They received Jesus. Isn't that a blessing as we see right here? And look at what verse 44 says. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. They must have received it because the Holy Spirit doesn't fall on someone who doesn't receive him. Right? Right? I think that's a true statement right there. 
Galatians chapter 3, verse number 2 tells us, This only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. We receive it by the hearing of faith, of course. When Cornelius and the members of his family heard the gospel, and Peter preaches the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what you see right there. That's what we see. And you can look there and read it over and over again. That's what we see right there. And they received the Lord. Secondly, letter B, they received the Holy Spirit. And look what it says, While Peter yet spake, they were filled with the Spirit. Peter didn't lay hands on them, and they received the Spirit. That's not how it works. Think about what John 16, 7 says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comfort will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. We look there and we see the fact that they, the Holy Spirit was on these people. And they heard them speak with tongues. And I mentioned before, why tongues? It was a sign to validate that the people, the Gentiles, got saved right here. And in the book of Acts, you see a progression of the Holy Spirit's ministry. In Acts chapter number 2, the Jews believed and had to, and, and been baptized to receive the Spirit. Acts 8, the Samaritans believed and were baptized. They received the Spirit. In Acts 10, they, were, they believed. The Spirit was on them, and they got baptized later. See, it's a progression. Things are changing here just a little bit. The Bible talks about the fact that we are all baptized into one spirit. At the moment of salvation, many Baptists don't like that verse, but I don't know why they don't like it. It's Bible. At the moment of salvation, we're baptized into one body and one spirit. And I know we have a local body here today, but do you realize when we're in heaven, there will be no more local bodies? There will be a universal body. We don't like saying that universal body. We don't like sounding Catholic, and when we say that, do we? But in heaven, there will be a universal body. That's where anyone who's in Jesus Christ, I don't care if they go to the Nazarene church down the street, or if they go to Calvary Chapel, or if they go to wherever they go. They're going to be in the same body. That's why it might do us good to get along with more people than what we do. But anyways, I'll stop there. I've meddled enough with you tonight. I don't want to go any deeper with that. We see they received the Spirit, but then letter C, we see that they were baptized. They were baptized. They had been saved. They received the Holy Spirit just like the Jews, and then they got baptized. Baptism signifies the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It identifies us with Him. They didn't get saved by getting baptized. The Holy Spirit was already on them before they got baptized. Because look what it says there in verse 47. Can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And we see that they were baptized. And then I, lastly, they were discipled. Verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Remember how I mentioned this morning all the false doctrine in this world and things? We do a disservice to people a lot and often. We, and uh, especially in our Baptist churches, we like, to, we like to fulfill one aspect of the Great Commission. Go and win. But there's also the baptize 
and teach them. We forget about the discipleship side of it. These people, Cornelius and his house, wanted Peter to stick around so they could learn more about the Lord. And you know what new Christians need? They need an older, more mature Christian to come alongside them and help them know what the Bible says so that they get grounded in the truth and don't get led down the wrong road. But what a great chapter. We see a man seeking for God, doing all that he can, but he would never be able to get to God. And the Lord sends an angel to him that says, go find Peter. And Peter's praying, and God sends him a vision that it's going to be okay to lead other people than Jews to the Lord. And magically, when he wakes up from that, there's two guys waiting there, and he goes with them and brings some people with him. And we see people get saved, and their lives change forever because of the gospel of Jesus.